Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of fantasy romance and romantic fantasy and other things besides. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Delicious, delightful, lovely. It's an old song for you. Um, today is, who knows, Tuesday, December 28th, 2021. Yeah, so here we are, last week of 2021. I uh, I know it's kind of hip. I should move my Christmas tree. Da, da, da. No. Uh, kind of hip to, I don't know, everybody seems to love to be doomsaying, you know, oh, what's 2022 going to be like? Yeah, maybe it'll be awesome. <laughs> I'm getting kind of tired of the negativity. But that's me. How are you guys? So um, I did get back in the groove yesterday. I did not um, get my 3K, but I was trying to be gentle with myself. And uh, yeah, I haven't even opened my progress count. So progress count is in Excel. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I got 1800 words yesterday, which I was pretty happy with because I was also like doing laundry and running around and doing things and very important getting my nails done. They're all um, like sparkly snow. So um, Megan Sienna Deutsch asked if I use Excel or a spreadsheet and it is I use Microsoft Excel mainly because I've been because <laughs> I'm old like <laughs> my cane uh, I've been using Excel since like the early 90s. <laughs> um, I remember using databases before Microsoft existed and I used to um, do database design for people freelance even. Anyway enough about me and my ancientness as far as technology is concerned. Uh, I use Excel and I love it. And it is one of the key points that I have built up my workbook, my progress count workbook, which has so many tabs on it now. I don't think I could even tell you. I don't know if there's a way to see. I, I say I'm the queen of Excel, but I'm not really the queen of Excel. Um, Anyway, it has a lot of tabs and I'm not going to sit here and count them because it would be boring. But I can tell you a little bit about my workbook and the point I'm trying to make without getting distracted is that I have built it over time. I mean over time people. I mean I probably started some of this tracking Boy, my original tab in this, you know, I know that I mentioned that I have been doing some of this overall tracking since 2012, but some of the tabs in here are much older than that. Um, yeah, although this one goes back to like 2013. 
It probably depends on how you slice it. And I know I, I'm thinking I wrote something down that I wanted to be sure to touch on. So just a moment. I'm going to hit pause instead of stop. We'll see how I do. Technology. Yay. She can make it work. I did write something now. Okay. So the part of why Megan asked is um, because she said she uses Scrivener and she uses uh, it keeps metrics for her per project. And I see a lot of people use that, you know, they show their, um, you know, their progress and their word, you know, their display. And if you are not someone who loves spreadsheets, you know, that can be a useful way to do it. The downside of this is, and I am not a Scrivener person. Scrivener gives me hives because I write linear and I write in word and it annoys me that there has to be like a special software that you buy just, for writers, but that's another rant. Um, I don't use Scrivener, so I don't know how it works, but I think it tracks per project. I haven't seen anyone show stats that were more than per project. And that was how I started was I, I tracked per project. Um, and I'm going to go back into the mists of time. My first Excel spreadsheet, which is no longer part of this workbook, which I find interesting, uh, came about when it was a submissions spreadsheet and I used it to track <laughs> oddly enough submissions because I started out as an essayist and I submitted creative nonfiction essays to magazines, literary journals, you name it. And I'd learned a trick early on, um, from another writer that I treated it. I called it ping pong. I even, my folder was called ping pong. And they said to treat the submission process like a game of ping pong, where you send a story out into the world and they send it back. And your job is to hit that ball back into the world. Uh, otherwise they score a point on you. So I had a submission spreadsheet for like every active essay and I used that to, you know, track like where I wanted to get stuff published. I had my, um, you know, publications listed by various kinds of qualities that I wanted, uh, reasons why I wanted my story in them. Um, and I had a rule that I would have a story or an essay. I call them stories out on submission to at least three places at all times, even if they said they didn't accept simultaneous submissions because fuck them. My time is just as important as theirs. I even explained that to an editor once because I withdrew a story that had been with her and accepted elsewhere. So I emailed her, which is the courteous thing to do. And I said, I, I need to withdraw this story as it's being published by X magazine. And she said, well, I'm disappointed to hear that. And besides we, we don't accept simultaneous submissions. And so I explained to her, I said, well, having a policy like that implies that your time is more valuable than my time. And that's unfair to writers. And she wrote back and she said, you know, I never thought of it that way. We're just, we're taking down that policy. I mean, fighting for writers and myself, even then. So my submission spreadsheet worked really well for me for keeping on track in my game of ping pong. And it turned out to be incredibly useful when I had my first essay collection published. 
because I had one of my essays had won an award for those of you who haven't heard this story. Sorry if you have. Um, and I had sent it to my professor from college because it had my religious studies professor because it had ideas in there that we talked about in his classes and I thought he'd be interested to read it. And it was like, and hey, that won an award. Um, and he, unbeknownst to me, sent it to his sister, who was an acquisitions editor for University of New Mexico Press. The New Mexico part is kind of coincidence. Maybe it's a little bit of foreshadowing um, because I lived in Wyoming at the time. And I'm going to sneeze. Pauses work great for sneezes. So I, um, she emailed me uh, kind of out of the blue and said, David Hattis is my brother. He sent me your essay of Swallows, Snakes, and Science, it was called. And she said, I'm wondering if I'm in time to publish your first book, which is what I often tell people, don't try this at home. It's not necessarily a tried and true method. Um, although it does emphasize the value of networking and maintaining connections with people. So, um, she said, can we talk? So we got on the phone and we talked and, uh, she said, um, have you thought about, you know, do you have a book (laughs) ready? And I said, no, um, to my great chagrin, I did not. I was thinking, oh, if I'd been smart, I would have had a book ready. Um, and she said, well, have you thought about it? And I said, oh yes. And so what I ended up doing was I went to my spreadsheet in which I had listed all of my essays and I grouped them into categories of finished and polished ones that had been on submission and hadn't sold for whatever reason. I had ones that like needed polishing still. Uh, and I had concepts, things that I had not yet finished drafting. And then I also had the published ones, obviously. And so I went through and I made a huge list of all of these and sorted them as you can do in Excel. And I don't remember now, I used to know when I told this story, um, how many were on there, but it was something like 40. That was, I, so I did have a decent body of work at that time and better. I knew what it was. And this is our theme, right? This is the being curious. I'm referring back to yesterday's podcast. I probably didn't mention that. So, um, if you are not keeping track, I introduced this topic, uh, yesterday and the whole theme is being curious, learn to love your data. (coughs) So this was data. Um, and I went through with my, my writer's group. I had a crit group. We grouped the essays, um, people voted on them and I ended up doing like, um, I think four groups of three, something like that. We could look at the book. It's here behind me, although it's in shrink wrap because it's a university press. I don't know. They shrink wrap all the things. Here's the book. Um, and I don't think we could see without, oh, but I thought I've got it on my shelf. Hang on. Voila. Uh, 
one, two, three, four, five. So five groups of three of, of essays. And they're, they're sort of roughly grouped by theme. And some were previously published and some were brand new for the collection. When I sent it to my editor, uh, she only didn't like one and she sw and swapped it off for another one and it was good to go. So anyway, that was how my spreadsheeting started. Now, getting to the workbook that I use today, a lot of which probably goes back to 2012 or so. Um, this essay collection um, came out, you know, did okay. I, I don't want to get into the weeds on that whole thing. Anyway, I first published fiction in 2009. I think that was Petals and Thorns, my BDSM Beauty and the Beast. And then I started writing for Karina Press. And I realized, I, and I ended up writing 10 books for Karina Press at first short ones. And that was when I began to discover that even though I'd started writing novels, that having traditional deadlines and having to write longer works over a period of time required me to know different things about my process. And this, children, is one of the reasons I have very strong opinions about tracking metrics and why it has to be more than per project. Because what you want is to learn how you perform over long periods of time, because it's always going to vary by project. Some projects go slower, some are harder, some are easier, some are longer. Uh, but you want to know like over the course of a year and then over the course of years and over the course of decades, if this is going to be your career, then you need to know how do you perform? Because remember, you are your own boss. I mean, even though you are contracting out to publishers or if you are self-publishing, then you know that you are your own boss in multiple ways. Um, and you are your own employee and you need to know how your employee performs. You need to know how much vacation time you need and how much sick leave you need. And by tracking your, your progress, that's, I mean, that's, what's funny is my, my um, workbook is called progress count and it's been called progress count for a really long time. And like houses I often include in my books, it's a theme with me, I've noticed. I've done this in a number of different stories that there are houses that started out small, um, built as a core house that were then built upon by generations and generations. My progress count is like one of these sprawling mansions with wings and passageways. There are so many hyperlinks, you guys. And I think I mentioned I tried to teach this before and it. I think I did a terrible job of trying to teach it because it's like, it is, it is a house for a crazy woman. Um, I am his lone occupant. I know every nook and cranny of it. Um, and anyone who comes to visit me, we just got to keep him in the parlor and have some tea or you're going to get lost. So my workbook tracks, as I said, since like 2012 and there are multiple, multiple things that it tracks. 
And this is the important part that I have over time. I keep adding different ways to analyze what I'm doing. Um, different kinds of granularity of the data. I make charts. I, I like to look at trends over time. And I think that that's, that's the key part is it's part of being curious and it's part of taking a step back and viewing yourself objectively because it's tempting sometimes to like not record the bad days, um, to pretend the bad days didn't happen. But if you are being like the analogy that I used yesterday, observing yourself like a field biologist observing an Arctic fox, there's no judgment. There's no such thing as like a bad day. You don't say, oh, that Arctic fox, boy, that a shitty day, didn't catch any mice. Um, instead, it's like, oh, this was what the metric was for this day, as opposed to the metric for this day. Let's see if we can determine what the contributing factors are. And that's why you want data over time, because you can look back and you can see what affected your productivity at one time versus another. Um, I have definite high months, um, pretty predictively predict limit. I don't have articulateness, but I do have, uh, you know, like certain months, this is like, um, I can look at, cause I have this crunched a number of ways. I can look at it visually on my graph, but I can also look at my monthly average. Uh, over the course of all of these years. And I can see exactly what the graph seems to indicate that for some reason, June is my most productive month. Um, my average for June is almost 48,000 words. And I mentioned yesterday that my overall average is 40,000 words a month. Um, why June? I don't know. Um, I can make some guesses, but June is tends to be a productive month for me. Uh, July tends not to be. Let's see. What's my worst month. Season is fun that I can look at this. Maybe you guys do not think this is fun. I think this is fun that I can look at this and see so that when I'm wondering things, I can, um, make plans and I can answer my own questions, answer my assuage, my own curiosity. So my worst month is July. 34,500 on average. This could be partly because June tends to be a high month and I can see where I have uh, a rebound, somewhat lower months after high months. Also, July tends to be conference season. Um, it's when my husband's birthday is and it just tends to be, at least before the pandemic, it was a high travel month. Our WA conference was always in July. Um, there were often many things going on in July. So this is the kind of thing that you want to know because you want to be able to predict your own productivity. You want to be a good manager to your employee and know what you can expect. Um, this takes away a lot of that, uh, of shame, <laughs> 
we're going to keep getting these update these notifications that I have to update my virus protection until it just automatically renews. Kill me now. Uh, you need to you want to be able to approach this without shame or guilt or any other negative emotions. Okay. It's um it's not a matter of you know like when you don't perform as well as you think you should and you're kicking yourself for that you can go and you can look at these metrics and you can say oh well you know July tends to be a low month for me anyway. I have a decade of data showing this. It's not that um, I'm just wanting to hang out at the beach although maybe that is why but that's okay because that's just part of who you are part of your process. So so that's part of why I am doing this week long series on why I think everyone creatives especially writers I don't know about other kinds of creativity why you should be able to track your performance over time and the thing that I wrote down and I think it's the question that I want to leave you with and I think it's important because I know a whole lot of you track your sales very closely. If you don't you probably should. Um, I do have a spreadsheet great big workbook for sales where I track all of mine um, numbers sold and dollars made and I crunch it lots of different ways and look at trends over time. I know a lot of you track your sales very closely and I know you track your ad spend very closely and you pay attention to things like your open rates on your newsletters and you track those over time. So I'm going to ask you if you keep metrics on all of that stuff but not on your own process maybe ask yourself why. On that note I'll remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the frolic media podcast network and you will find more podcasts that you love at frolic.media slash podcasts and I will continue this on Thursday. You all take care. Bye bye.